So it sounds like we've got a couple different threads. One is how you identify the center of your politics. You know, you were, you were speaking to this in the first point, that political lesbianism is a political identification centering women. And I it's, wonder if I'm a gay man, though, sorry. Yeah, but this thread is kind of, like, desexualized. It's like the primary definition is not coming from your identification of your own sexuality, but your politics. It sounds like where it's coming in as an insult is connected more to sexuality. So it's either an insult to straight women who are not actually lesbians but want to be, or an insult to lesbians for... What did you say about... An insult to lesbians who aren't making a choice, who aren't choosing um, to do it Yeah, okay. Reasons. So the insultingness is connected to the sexuality part. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that there's already it doesn't matter which definition you have there's always somewhere that women is doing lesbianism wrong yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> I think as well because like one thing that we haven't mentioned yet and that might be part of that is the place I'm at at the moment is yeah just being really pissed off about compulsory mm-hmm. um, heterosexuality and I think as a straight woman like my sexuality was acquired mm-hmm. I never had the opportunity to find out what my natural you know sexuality might be and what my chosen one might be if I was conscious of you know mm-hmm. my social environment and all that stuff so yeah I find myself feeling like a, a political lesbian in a heterosexual relationship which kind of freaks me out because I'm like oh my god I feel like a trans <laughs> no, but like, yeah, there's that whole thing of like sexual passion versus critiquing the institutionalization of sexuality. Yeah, what do you think? Having adopted a, a bisexual identity, I've kind of felt different ends of the spectrum in different worlds. It's very different on what your current relationship status was. Um, and I've looked more into this lifelong historical debate of the nature versus nurture, you know, were you born that way or were you raised that way, but then of course there's also the agency aspect of it, which seems to be more of a, um, more in connection to the idea of political lesbianism. The way I see it, there's so much psychological studies and evidence that suggests that it could be, in, in just in terms of the nature nurture, not agency thing. It could be both or one or the other, but there seems to be evidence for influence of both. The way I see it, I'm like, so what? Mm. So what if it's one or the other or a mixture of both? I think no matter what, that person's lifestyle is worthy of respect and that there's nothing wrong with being a lesbian, uh, no matter how you want to be that way, and that that should be respected, Mm -hmm. essentially. Agree. Uh, did you have your hand up, really? I was just going to tag, I can't remember what I was going to tag onto, but I was just going to say that the first time I ever heard the term was also an insult from women who felt that they were born as lesbians to women who the vast, the in my experience, at least the vast majority of women I know who call themselves lesbians who don't necessarily believe that, or at least didn't know that and mm-hmm. dated men for a long time. It feels like people that would use that as an insult, A, are taking the born this way thing to be doctrine, which I feel like I was going to bring up before something before you said it, like, we can't talk about this without introducing that into the conversation, but it also feels like they want it both ways. Like, you can't say that heterosexuality is compulsory and then say that women who are conforming to something that is compulsory are that way. Right. Like, if it's compulsory, then you're being constrained into it. And I don't think that you're being constrained by what you naturally are biologically as what you're born. I think you're being constrained by institutions that affect not only what you can materially choose. I mean, I work at a domestic violence shelter, and the women are not choosing to be in marriages. In the vast majority of my experience, at least, they are stuck there, usually for economic reasons. But the secondary under economic is not even being given the space to think that there could be any other thing to do other than be in the in the situation that they're in so i i don't think you can have it to me it seems hypocritical and kind of elitist when people do that because it sounds like they want to both be able to say they have this critique of it being compulsory and then blame women for being compulsed which doesn't really make any sense to me absolutely i totally agree with it but at the same time can understand lesbian women who are really reluctant to just open up like these spaces and organizations to you know women who have never been with other women. But back in the seventies they were recruiting. Yeah, people, yeah. You know? 
Oh, you know, you like, um, we, we were having this discussion around the fire the other night, and there were a couple of women who were who were lesbians, and we were talking about their own experience of women who were previously you know, heterosexual, who might you know kind of want to experiment on them. Or, you know, they have all these these dynamics and, and issues with women who are kind of questioning their sexuality when they're like, no, we're lesbians. I can understand how those spaces need to be kind of protected, you know, in the same way that female in these spaces need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I may, so, yeah. I think that brings up important questions of understandings of gold star lesbianism and whether or not, for example, lesbians who have been raped by men are not valid in their identities as lesbians. Mm-hmm. Certainly myself being openly bisexual, I do my best to be respectful of lesbian and lesbian-only spaces. I never complain that they should let men in because, oh, maybe I want to bring some guy I'm seeing or some stupid Mm. shit like that. And I don't try to enter those spaces because I'm not a lesbian and I do benefit from heterosexual privilege. I do believe there are intersections of, like, biphobia and inters, but also additional heterosexual privilege, like, stacked on top of that. But that's a different conversation. (laughs) And I would... I guess throw a question out for discussion, which is the uh, the question of compulsory heterosexuality and how often women are discouraged from loving each other, um, whether that be a romantic love or maybe a sexual one. Uh, certainly, we're seeing this kind of divergence of discussion with like romanticism, like sexual intimacy, and I'll throw those out there. But I would also like to add an addition on uh, I really like, I would have to say, the efforts of political lesbianism to encourage more of the lesbian side of me, of my bisexuality, to explore myself even more and be encouraged to step out of that heteronormative compulsory heterosexual lifestyle that many women are so forcefully directed towards. One of the things I love about Mishfest culture is that party aspect where it's so open and just like, come on board and welcome home and that it's not... One of the criticisms of political lesbianism is that it's intellectual and it's in your head and it's all about this analysis and we feel it in our bodies, right? And so I think of lesbian with an L that's just this beautiful cursive L as something that men can't experience and that we can just because we're women Mm -hmm. and that we should feed it and nurture it and one of my best experiences at the last Mishfest was actually in the Radfem Rhapsody area and Mason was there a lesbian from a long time ago in the 70s and she was at the last Mishfest and she was like we have a and she had a Mississippi accent and she's like we were recruiting (laughs) we can recruit you we can recruit you you know and it was this flirtation and it's so wonderful when women flirt with each other I just encourage that I, I I love what you're saying something that comes up for me a lot that I'm hearing is this disconnect between political lesbianism as like a, a place where work gets done and the erotic and is Eros available to us if we are politically identified lesbians like where does the sexuality part come in um to the politic and can fucking be a politic obviously not an endpoint, but is there a way to tie the, the erotic and the political i think like just the very act of loving another woman is political in itself whether yeah. or not you make a decision yeah. mm-hmm. to have a political statement with your lesbianism it's a political statement whether or not you want it to be that's why you get harassed when you walk down the street with your girlfriend this ties back to what you were saying. You're trying to redirect your sexuality away from what has been compulsed into heterosexuality. And like the exploration part is erotic and is all sensual. It can't be in your head. Like we don't experiment as scientists. Like we are. We are, experience, we are experimenting from like a, a purely sensational place. I have been thinking about this a lot too because I was always in heterosexual relationships and then since becoming a radical feminist it just I just wonder how much of my own heterosexuality was compulsory and it's like someone said earlier like you don't even have a chance to see how you would have formed who you love and what you love and I think on most levels we love humans we don't love genitals or 
sexual stereotypes or gender stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's not, it's not much of a stretch to say that maybe it starts out as a political thing, but it could have very well been what your sexuality would have developed as had you not had, like, all of this cultural influence, mm-hmm. right? Do women look back at their friendships with women and their earlier experiences and identify eros or desire that they didn't let themselves go down because they thought they were pet? Like, in retrospect, are you like, wow, I, I was, like, kind of into that woman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting because, like, we talk about compulsory heterosexuality and how we don't have the opportunities to explore other options, and I think what's interesting is that the growing acceptance of born-this-way rhetoric uh-huh. also <clears throat> prevents women from experimenting. Like, lots of yes. young women, and myself included, even though I'm not super young, feel like, if I were a lesbian, I would have known by now. Like, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe I've had sex with lots of women and men, mm. but, like, I should just know by now. Mm. I, I would feel it as the sense of identity, because that's, that's the narrative that we're told, and so... Mm by having this, like, born this way rhetoric, it prevents you from exploring, it prevents you from experimenting, and even if you do, you feel like you're going to get found out as a faker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if you're trying, and you're being very successful at being a <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can still feel like, well, somebody's going to find out that I wasn't I'm a fraud. born this way. Yeah. I wasn't born this way. Right. Mm-hmm. And then your authenticity is the question. What do you think? like exploring sexuality I found that like especially when I was a teenager a lot of the exploring that I did with women was under the male gaze yeah Um, so the acceptable uh, exploration of my sexuality and my interest in women had to be at parties or um, yeah performance yeah Um, and that uh, it was okay if it was sensual or or sexual but not emotional or romantic mm-hmm. yeah that's my experience one thing that not only i think can we see this kind of idea of political lesbianism maybe benefiting women as a class in terms of redirecting the emotional labor and sexual labor we give and put into men into each other and helping foster this bond between women so not only on this social aspect as a class bringing us together but maybe even on an individual aspect helping you to learn to love yourself as a woman Mm -hmm. and to love yourself for who you are there's this one woman who i just recently watched like a few minutes of this interview she had this really sexist interview less of a decade ago based on video quality and i wish i could i could remember her name this uh black woman was being interviewed by this man and he was calling her aggressive and androgynous and he's like are you bi and (laughs) like just grilling her on her sexuality and everything like that and he's like are you attracted to women and she goes of course i'm attracted to women i am a woman if i was not attracted to women i would not be able to love myself or something like that it was pretty amazing (laughs) yeah it resonated with me on such a deep level i it it really struck me and how can this self-love manifest itself how can we express it uh certainly men express their own (laughs) self-love like this almost auto-androphilia, I would call it. Like, you know, like... <laughs> you know they draw dicks on everything. They everything. <laughs> you know that movie, like, Fight Club, you know, where it's almost got this homoerotic just yeah. undertone to the entire thing, just worshipping at this ideal image of masculinity. Men are in love with themselves on a narcissistic yeah. level, you know? And so I think maybe us women could learn to at least give ourselves the basic love yeah. and desire, you know? Mm-hmm. I think we deserve it. I think this question of authenticity as well, it's like, as if you're supposed to suddenly wake up with a fully lesbian passion. As if I ever had that as a heterosexual, like, mm-hmm. I think the process for me of developing that as a heterosexual was like, probably from the age of like 13, at which point, it was a really scary idea to be yeah. with guys. It just freaked me out. <laughs> and then you get, at some point, like, you get your first boyfriend or whatever, and you learn to love that person. I wouldn't expect anything to be different, you know, but it's a process, and a, it's funny having all these conversations about authenticity and stuff. Like, 
I think like our first ex- sexual experiences are always terrifying. And I, just as I asked earlier, if like you look back and think about women in your life that you're like, oh, I was actually into her. Do you look back at relationships that you might have had with men and be like, oh, I was actually not into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. way less into that than yeah. than I told other people. Or yeah. when we talk about like when I'm talking about gender a lot of the time, I think one of the things people kind of resonate with is that it helps lines of power be maintained when they're clear mm-hmm. so like the binary thing of like mm-hmm. appearing feminine or appearing masculine is very useful to patriarchy because it means you are a resource or the person using the resources you matter you don't or you are matter and then <laughs> it, I feel like the same thing applies to sexuality and like it's a lot more useful to patriarchy if it's very clear those women are lesbians we can exploit them in a different way Uh than Uh we can the women that are clearly like born this way seems to be so convenient in a lot of ways in that regard whereas the idea that any woman could decide fuck this shit is much more threatening because I almost feel like every woman I've talked to whether she is in relationship with men or women like realizes now that there are situations that she was in and thought was normal with men that are normal but should not be normal and were not something that she would have been in if she thought that there was any other thing she could be doing at that time. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. since we don't, you think, well, this must be what I'm supposed to be doing. Since I'm doing this, I must be born to do this since yeah. that's what the rhetoric is. So binary maintained and yeah. it seems like a lot more. <laughs> that thought kind of went over Talking about the bonus ways made me think about Julie Bindle's book. I can't quite remember the name of the book now, but she talks about how in the 70s, lesbians and gays, in the UK anyway, were supporting each other and men were actually helping lesbians with uh, women's issues, fighting for abortion rights and so on. And then um, in the 80s, she talks about how a division occurred, especially when the AIDS epidemic happened, and men started to say they were born this way. And mm-hmm. uh, the born this way, I think, comes from the fact that men started to, for the first time, experience aggression and hate for who they are, and they were mm-hmm. losing their privilege. And so it was easier to say that they were born this way, because then they didn't have to lose anything. They didn't have to lose a privilege. It was more acceptable to those people who were bigots to say, oh, well, you can't help this, you're born that way. But the lesbians who <laughs> were brought up in a culture of, in the 70s, being political lesbians who decided to stop sleeping with the enemy because they were trying to fight patriarchy, they were against this, and that's when the division occurred. Women still wanted to say that, no, some of us choose this. I wanted to build off that thought. Um, there definitely have been studies that like prove that people usually are more willing to be accepting of a person under the born this way rhetoric and so there's this idea that maybe this rhetoric has been taking on for political reasons to gain sympathy but then in the end if you have to build your platform on lies it's like if the truth comes to light what are you going to do in the end it's like no matter what there's nothing wrong with being lesbian or gay or whatever even if you do choose it like people are deserving of being put to death or burned in a fire for those things I do feel like I have seen that division between gay men and lesbians uh, in terms of using different, certain rhetorics. But of course, just being born that way doesn't guarantee that people are going to treat you with respect either. Certainly we see that with like disabled people. Many disabled people are born disabled, but they're still incredibly marginalized uh, in society. And even if we were to take it on as a political stance, this idea of born this way, would it even really give us anything? I think the the born this way rhetoric was kind of helpful in terms of conversion therapies and stuff like that or or conversion camps because if you're born this way then it doesn't make sense to put someone in a camp or or in therapy to convert them because it's something that's you know genetic or whatever for some people especially maybe some right-leaning groups if sexuality is fluid or if I can become a lesbian I can also become straight again you know so I think it's like weaponizing that Mm. or some groups do weaponize sexual fluidity in that way so the born that way I think is I guess a way for some to combat that or at least it has been I think we haven't heard very much from our sisters who are not under the tent, so I just wanted to check in with y'all. I'll share two things real quickly for, for me, and I'm late 50s. The gender fluidity, which would be a discussion unto itself. Um, but coming up in a different era, there was a very, very real lived experience when you started seeing other women when you started dating women. So whether it had a politicized, you know, what you said over here, you know, fuck this. 
um, whether that was part of it, whatever the, the mix was, it was a pretty, um, it was a bold, it was a bold step, it was a bold move, and it had very real, like, consequences, so what I just said to my partner was, I think all of you, even though times are changing, it's still a pretty bold move in today's culture, I think when I listen to you all, what I think of women, when I go, what is lesbian, what is that kind of thing, warriors, survivors, oh. <clears throat> survivors, as you mingle and mix with the, the women, the lesbians here in their 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, that's what resonates for me, so I look at all of you and I think you're, you're young warriors, the warrioresses, whatever that word you do, <laughs> you're stepping into the fire, I think, because you can't help but step into it, or you choose to step into it, or some, again, mm. mix of that and something else, battle on. Battle on, the world needs women. The world needs women's voices. Mm -hmm. The cool thing about social media is that now information is out there and it's so accessible. Whether it's the more women you have on a board, the more women you have in leadership positions in an organization, it's going to be a gentler world, it's going to be a more inclusive world, it's going to be arguably a more planet-healthy world. So battle on, carry on, and know that there may be some scars along the way, but scar tissue is very, very, very strong tissue. Just on that note about women being warriors, like... I do feel that, like somebody else said, being a lesbian is a political act. The meaning of lesbian is women loving women. It's very distinct. And so there's no men involved in that. And so it's easier to hate in a patriarchal system uh, because it doesn't involve men at all. In fact, it's been twisted and taken so that it's now become erotic for men just because it's got to have something to do with them. Um, and so, yeah, I do think it is a fight. It is a, you have to be a warrior to declare yourself as a lesbian because you're fighting against the system. I wanted to note that I definitely would have to credit the Born This Way explanation of helping depathologize homosexuality in, at least in America, in 1973 it was removed from the DSM as uh, a disorder, homosexuality. Fun fact, in that exact same year, 1973, Norman Fisk coined the term gender dysphoria. Now, not only do we have this idea of men and women's brains being distinct and our gendered behaviors, which can include sexuality, being innate, we see, for example, homosexual people as having somehow now, instead of a social disorder, a physical disorder, a disorder of the brain. Very often, homosexual men have been accused of having women's brains, feminine brains. And so what we're currently talking in the world of clinical psychology is this idea that has, for example, the diagnosis of gender identity disorder, or currently in the DSM-5, gender dysphoria, now replaced the previous social behavioral conversion therapy of homosexual people into a more medical, biological, physical intervention. So just because we've moved the diagnosis from an understanding of being like a social behavioral disorder into a physical one hasn't stopped the pathologization of it. We are just now taking a brand new, radically different approach to treating it. Is it too to say like born this way? You need this medicine, this medicine, this hormone. This <laughs> like it's taking what may have been a good idea in the '70s and doing that with it. So, so a tension that I experience a lot in lesbian and queer community is the feeling of being under attack. That women who are 
I think I think that born this way rhetoric is fundamentally male identified. But women who identify as born this way or gold star or like hold on to and have found space for themselves by saying like I'm a lesbian, I'm like hardwired lesbian. I feel those women feel like they're under attack when women who are politically identified lesbians come in and say, reorient your thinking. How do we deal with the feeling of marginalizing lesbian sisters who are already experiencing so much cultural violence? How do we how do we message to those women? How do we reach those women? The approach I take is that I see heterosexuality, or not heterosexuality, heterosexual attraction is innate, but homosexual attraction is, they're like two different kinds of things. It's not really a spectrum. People contain different levels of both. And so, to me, there is some contradiction between women who are lesbian, women who are lesbian, and can never be anything but lesbian, and women who become that way because we're talking about two different things. We're talking about changing your relationship with heterosexuality more than we are. I, it does make sense, but I think that a lot of women feel really decentered by that because I think one of the big tensions for women who are not political lesbians is that political lesbians are turning away from heterosexuality because they hate men, not because they love women. And so oh, right. like, that's I've heard that. very hurtful to women who have identified themselves as being innately woman-loving. And so I just mean to brainstorm... Um, with y'all or, or to hear if you've already had these kind of conversations what that messaging looks like I actually had this exact conversation with an old friend of mine um, in the UK who she totally has the stance that she was born a lesbian so she's never ever had any sexual desire and she felt very threatened by the idea that women could choose that uh-huh. and so we spent hours and hours <laughs> debating this and I think she felt so threatened because she herself did not want to say her sexuality is fluid. And I think that's the problem. We're trying to put each other's views on each other and we're all very different. I think some people can feel like that their sexuality is static and it's specific to one sex. And then somebody else can feel like their sexuality can be fluid and change. When I finally said to her that it's acceptable to say you're born this way, even though nobody else is around, it's in the middle of the night, she's like, shh. I don't want them to hear. She had a genuine fear of people realizing that people might choose this because then she doesn't have that safety blanket that being born this way has, that you can't help it. I really feel there are multiple layers to it. First, there's the idea that a lesbian is a woman who is only attracted to other women versus a lesbian is a woman who is with other women. Uh, You have those definitions. (laughs) But then right now, the popular definition is attraction, right? And it's attraction to gender. So you have these lesbians who are basically saying, we're attracted to other women, sexually attracted only to other female bodied women, right? So like they really feel defensive of that term because they're being asked to open it up to trans women, open up our sexuality. And it's this moment of being like really defensive and having to defend our sexuality. And when people come in and they say like, well, it's fluid, well, it's open, suddenly it's harder to defend, right? Then you're a bigot. Then you can't choose that. It's super sensitive, I think. And for a lot of women, it has to be one or the other. If we're defining it by behavior, it's fine. But everyone's defining it by attraction in the mainstream. So This is such an important question, too, because when we think of all the women who've been forced into marriages, and of course, some women, in spite of these cultural compulsions, do make a change, but how many lesbians have ended up married because they're Mormon or because they're in a time period where lesbianism was not, it wasn't possible for them to feel safe and out? How many lesbians are we erasing if we define lesbianism as only lesbian behavior? But also, what really fucking matters if you're attracted to men but you haven't slept with one in 40 years because all you care about is women? then are you not a lesbian because you had bisexual attraction when you were 14? So how do we separate the definition of lesbian as a verb and lesbian as a noun, the identity, the attraction versus like fucking women? 
it's even hard to define the word attraction when we're in this world. <laughs> I don't know what attraction means because all I have to look at is what is compulsory heterosexuality, right? So the only attraction that I know that wasn't compulsed is my attraction to women. I feel like behavior is a material thing. Attraction, I have no clue. You said that the only thing that wasn't Mm-hmm. is compulsory mm-hmm. to a certain point. Yes. Yeah. As a woman who's in a relationship with a straight man, you are expected to still find very specific types of women very sexy and you're supposed to perform that for the benefit of the men in your life. You're not supposed to be emotionally, romantically, politically, none of the, the stuff that goes along with it, but you're still supposed to want to watch lesbian porn uh-huh. in your quotes and you're still supposed to want to make out with girls at parties or whatever like there is a level of compulsory objectification of yeah. women and how do we separate that from attraction given how they're connected in mm-hmm. culture? I'm thinking about like how to talk about it let me save this thought to see if it makes sense. I feel like the way that I would want to talk about it if I was having this conversation directly with someone is to try putting sexuality in the context of being an aspect of gender, gender uh-huh. being power cast. And what is the relationship of behavior and attraction, for instance, to power? It's the behavior that ends up having a relationship to power. If you never express attraction, then it may as well not exist. Yes. The behavior is what gets <clears throat> results, whether that is oppression or exploitation or whatever. So I feel like talking about sexuality as an aspect of if gender is a set of stereotypes set up to exploit female people, then sexuality is part of that. Mm-hmm. And same-sex sexuality can be part of that, too, just like you were saying. It's the relationship to male control that matters. It can't be separated from the other aspects of gender. So when yes. we're talking about women yes. that, from birth, did not want to be with men, I think that's great. I think with any aspect of gender, deciding that you want to starve yourself is an aspect of gender, too. Some women die from that because they can't escape from that, and others never feel that because we all based on our social location and our personalities and everything have different relationships to that and I don't see why sexuality would be different. It's another aspect of something that is put on us that we have different capacities to resist based on a whole host of different factors. You know, whether biology is one of them doesn't seem like that's an important question to me. Uh-huh. I wanted to comment on what was said earlier about women using the board this way rhetoric as a blanket of protection to almost gain acceptance. I could definitely see that being a politically used reason. Although, again, not to say that there's anything wrong with being born that way, and it's not like I don't believe that you can be born that way. Personally, I have no opinion of my own sexuality. Sometimes I wonder myself. I don't feel any kind of assuredness of my own sexuality. I don't have this inner sense that, oh, I must have been born this way. I wonder, what if my own sexual attraction to women has somehow been nurtured from this pornographic exposure to women's bodies? You know what I mean? But one thing I've certainly appreciated in terms of like political lesbianism has been this awesome encouragement of exploring not only my sexual side, but the romantic side. It inspired this love in me that I've just never known before. Like I was saying before, not only for myself, but for other women. And it allowed me to connect with them on a more political level and personal level. It helped me understand women as these complex creatures with their own incredible lives that exist in their own expansive universe and to decenter men in my own universe. Back to using the identity as the born this way as a protection, I would argue again, there might not really be as much protection in that as we think in terms of, again, people who are disabled or have other kind of born this way things definitely experience like I was raised in a high school where a mentally handicapped boy was literally jumped and beaten into the ground because of how he was and everyone knows he was born that way (laughs) there's no question about that but he would get assaulted because of how he was and so sometimes I worry about this false confidence, this idea that we can save ourselves just by like framing it differently. Again, I'm not to disrespect people's identities who do feel like that they would go in that way. Like it, certainly I'm not going to argue it. I'm not going to say, no, you weren't. I feel it would be weird and rude to say that. But I think it goes back to consent. We also have the right to have our nose respected. We don't owe a man our love. We don't have to give him a good reason to reject his advances. It's like this idea that, oh, this man won't leave me alone if he thinks he has a chance, and if my sexuality is understood to be a socially constructed thing or nurtured or a choice, he might 
think he has free agency to harass me? I'd say no, he doesn't. I think men need to fucking understand that. We don't have to give them any valid reason to reject them. We can reject them for whatever goddamn reason we want to. We don't owe them anything. I've been wanting to hear like some more like personal like narratives and some growth stories from some women. So I'm just gonna open myself up a little bit and be vulnerable with you guys. And, and hopefully that'll get the ball rolling. Thank you. The first like three people I ever kissed were like girls in the neighborhood. And I also was terrified of my first kiss and sexual encounter with men. This conversation kind of like brought that up. I'd kind of forgotten. I remember like when I was in elementary school, there was a girl that I was like best friends with and we were very physical with each other, like lots of hugs. And I grew up taller than most of the other girls and so I would pick up girls and swing them around. And that was when I first got called a lesbian. I didn't know what it was until then. And I found girls started avoiding me. So I started thinking, am I a lesbian? Like maybe i've only been in relationships with men and i'm going through a divorce right now the last year of my relationship with my husband i didn't have sex i told him i didn't want penis anymore and that i wanted to date women it's been really challenging you make that decision like political lesbian yes but then what now i'm having to unravel some of this stuff from my childhood and having to unravel some of this internalized misogyny that i have and self-consciousness about my height and feeling like i have a deep voice and i don't want women to think that I'm a predator. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. It's just been really hard. I've been dating women, but I don't want to come off like a man, and I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. So that's what I'm going through. Thank you. Thank you. So, I used to kiss girls in my neighborhood, too. And I was also, at a very young age, about three or four, held down and raped and tortured by my girl cousin. And, of course, family knew. But whatever. I still liked women, even though, like, all this happened because they're still cute and all that stuff. I remember I was talking to my dolls because I was fucking four, right? Four years old. I remember my mom coming into the room yelling at me, what the hell is wrong with you? Are you a goddamn lesbian? Before I had no construct in my head of what lesbian was, I was just playing with my doll. Just going, I'm going to go to Disneyland. I was going to Disneyland. I'm like, I'm going to go to Disneyland and I'll see you later. I love you. Because it was my doll, right? And that was really highly traumatizing. And I wonder if all of that hadn't happened, what my sexuality would have been today. Would I still be hetero? Or would I be bi? And how did that shape me and traumatize me? Because maybe I was born a lesbian and I've just been drinking the patriarchy juice. Uh-huh. So it's really hard to figure out what your identity is when life is so difficult. Uh, I apologize ahead of time if this comes out like jumbled or whatever. You don't have to apologize. Um, Feminism means never having to say you're sorry. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sorry if I don't make any fucking sense right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I think maybe we've touched on this already, but I wanted to just sort of like reiterate maybe a distinction between women who are sexually romantically attracted to other women versus being woman identified. A girl I dated back in high school who definitely is a a female who had always been attracted to other women or other females, but she was incredibly misogynistic. She was way more misogynistic than any dude I've ever dated. So for me, that is an important thing to consider too, is that just because a woman is a lesbian doesn't mean that she's woman identified. While at the same time, someone could not really like feel like a lesbian. She might not feel sexually or romantically attracted to women, but can be very woman identified. Mm-hmm. Just that as itself would be something conceptually to value. Yes, for sure. And that is a politic. Yeah. And just as you, I think that was what you brought up in the very beginning, right? Was that's a different way of thinking about the definition of political lesbianism. It took me a long time to come to this point where I'm like as a lesbian and I have been for a while. But like the other woman shared, I was sexually abused when I was eight by a female friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, those memories came back to me when I was 12 at the same point as I started to be attracted to women. And that happens for a lot of people. A lot of people have attractions to the same sexes when they're that age. And I felt such shame and guilt about it because of what I've been through that I felt like I couldn't hug my female friends. And they would try to reach out to me and I, I would be like, no, you might know who I am and how I feel, even though I'm not necessarily attracted to you. And so I spent a lot of my teenage years not having physical contact with other women, even like in a platonic way. 
didn't have my first kiss with me until I was 18. And even now I'm 36 and I really struggle with taking that step forward sexually when I'm attracted to somebody. And that's all caught up in the abuse and the shame of my sexuality. But what has made me embrace lesbianism, because I first said I was gay and then I said I was queer and it was always about liking women. And a few years back I started to really embrace lesbianism because I realized lesbians were disappearing. And it was a political act mm. to say I was a lesbian and how important it was to say I like women and they empowered other women. Mm. Um, and so that's why I started to really embrace it. But I'm still nervous about saying it in certain circles and situations because I know we live in a women-hating world and so lesbianists. Top of that list, I mean, I looked like a bike as a teenager. I try to hide it, but a large woman wearing a leather jacket thinking she's meatloaf. <laughs> you know, like, boys would chuck chairs at my face, you know? Like, I was a threat to their manhood. I wanted to hide that as much as possible for as long as possible. Mm. So I went to Mishfest in 1998 for the first time with a group of young heterosexual women. We just wanted to check it out, you know? And I didn't know what I was getting into. And I sat under an oak tree with Kay Hagen, who's a wonderful lesbian feminist from New Mexico. And I don't hear about her anymore. I really don't know what happened to her, but she changed my life. And like I said, it was outside and all women, and I'd never been in that space before. And I fell in love with her. I just loved her so much. And it was this sweet, beautiful, nature-y love. And I went home and I had this really strange experience actually that I came home and there was a dead bat on my pillow of my bed. But it felt like this spiritual awakening and I told her about it and I wrote this fabulous, furious letter. And I sent it to her and then she called me and it was just so great and I I was so excited. And then this man came over to my house who I was I was in graduate school at the time and I was teaching Spanish and we were in this pretentious academic environment, um, romance languages and literature. And he was like a lefty, leftist, really into Zapatismo. And anyway, I told him as my friend about my experiences at Michigan. And he said, well, do you want to go down on her? Do you want to lick her clit? And I was like, oh, what? You know, and that was just sexual harassment to a major freaking degree. And me, I was so young, I didn't realize that was sexual harassment harassment. I thought he was asking me a valid question as my friend looking out for me or whatever. So stupid. I hate that. And so then I literally went kind of spiraling back out into the patriarchy. Um, but then the next Mishfest I went to was in the year 2000 and S&M culture had really become strong, so strong at Michigan that you could see it on the main stages. Whereas now or in the later years, it was hidden back in the woods and there was a big push to you don't just chain each other from the trees in the woods and on the trail you know because any woman could walk past and she hasn't given consent to see that but in the year 2000 it was creeping onto the stages and as a young woman again that tripped me up and I left and so just to emphasize how important it is for us to treat each other kindly and um with open arms and to not reduce it all to sex and sexuality either you know what I mean that love and that sisterhood and that friendship is such a big part of our sisterhood and I think any romantic relationship or physical sexual relationship often has more of a success rate if you started out with a friendship so that's what I was doing with that wonderful lesbian woman that I wish that I was still in touch with her and then that guy just penetrated right down so deep into my you know sexuality so socialization that the way he did that was rape culture right I mean it was just like penetrating and I took it and I am not upset with myself because I forgive all women in patriarchy I forgive all women for every woman for behaving however she does with her sexuality I think that there needs to be a forgiveness to get through and over that shame 
that was being talked about over there. Yeah, and now I'm here. It's the year 2016. It ain't too late for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you neither. <laughs> I'm really curious to connect. So you were saying this fear that you have when you approach other women, you don't want to come across the way men do. You don't want to be predatory. And here we have you talking about being woman identified. And so I want to link these three threads. How do we as political lesbians create an Eros that is so woman loving that we reimagine a way of sex, sexuality, sensuality that is not predatory, that is not male identified, that does not draw from the DSM culture? What do we want to create? What does sex look like? I just wanted to say I'm really glad for that question because I was just brewing on exactly that. And like when I hear the term dating, I just think of Andrew Wilkins saying we're going to back into the dating system. <laughs> and you know, this idea of being evaluated against the standard and being on some kind of factory line where it's like, yep, not, yep, not. And I think part of what made me start thinking about political lesbianism as well was just kind of redefining sexuality and realizing that. I've been in heterosexual relationships on and off since I was 15, so that's like 17 years. And I started thinking about the different kinds of energy that I'd been putting into these relationships, and it's kind of problem solving, and it's storytelling, and it's my creativity, and when I think about what I do in relationships, it's all of this life energy, all of this creativity, and I just don't think I trust a man with that. Mm -hmm. And I want to use it for women, however that looks. Um, yeah, that, that's my energy and I don't want to give it to them. And it wasn't immediately thinking about dating women. Yeah. It's just thinking about what is the nature of the energy I'm giving to men and how precious is that to me actually and where do I want to invest that? And the rest of it is so unclear, but I'm really thankful for your question. Back in the day, fucking was not allowed. I shouldn't say not allowed. It was really frowned upon because if you were on the <coughs> side of fucking, then what are you doing? You clearly want to be fucked. You're actually straight. Mm -hmm. And if you were on the fucking, the fucker, mm -hmm. I don't have the right language. <laughs> 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 I think we've all got a very clear picture. <laughs> if you were the one penetrating, well, clearly you want to be a man. And this is before the trans phenomenon, if you will. And that existed for a long time. And this whole notion of Butch Femme was to some degree the evolution of that community within community was women who said, we do like to fuck. And you can probably get a sense of even how some of that might take place and we're not gonna walk away from it. So I guess I would just say what you were saying, triangulating these conversations, be really, really aware and sensitive to allowing anything to be considered male sexuality. Fucking is not male sexuality. Yes, thank you. Um, yes. Being penetrated is not something men have told women they like. I think women completely devoid of men in their existence, some women in some of those environments are going to enjoy penetration. And similarly, women who are in no way involved with men in their life or ever have been like, you know, brought up by wolves kind of thing, <laughs> probably some of those women would enjoy some of the time penetrating. So I'd be really, really careful. For me, I could almost cry listening to you because I'm sitting here going, tall? Tall women rock. <laughs> and for you to have like, oh, I'm self-conscious about my voice, thank you, the voice is awesome. And again, there is no prescription among lesbians except I thought what you said was astute. To me, the prescription of lesbian is woman identified. And if you jerk off to man-on-man -man porn, you still can identify as a lesbian. And if you jerk off to straight, full-on straight porn, you can still identify as a lesbian. You can get hot with your lesbian girlfriend to straight porn. These things are not going to be linear. Um, and they're not typically going to fall in this congruent little river of lesbianism. And to me, what connects lesbianism, which you said so beautifully, is that you're kind of woman identified. And what I say to the young people I work with is my filter that I look at an issue with is what would the impact be on girls and women? Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's my filter. So what lesbians share is we've all been wounded by the patriarchy. Whether this much, this much, this much, or this much. Most women, lesbian, bisexual, whatever, have been wounded by the patriarchy, and I think lesbians tend to be largely pretty sensitized to that and compassionate about that. It's not linear, and it's also not something that you might really figure out. I mean, figuring out your sexuality or trying to figure out why you are the way you are. Right? 
thinking you are or what you like is a, a likely process. I mean, it had been for me so far in the marriage. So, and I'm, I'm still being surprised by this and discovering parts of myself. You know, we're all born who we are born as, and we spend the rest of our lives trying to sort of figuring that Speaking on the division of this idea of romantic attraction versus sexual attraction, has anyone read that, I don't know if it was an article or a story about this one tribe in which straight women are actually marrying oh, each that. other? Yeah. You, you yeah. know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, you know I did. I read yeah. that too. They still sleep with men. They would still invite men to sleep with them, but in the end, like, they kicked men out and they, I, were they sleeping in the same beds as their wives? In Tanzania? Um, I think they were physically affectionate. I think what I really liked about the article is that it gave the women a lot of choice. Because so, they're married off for, I think, was it 10 or 12 cows in their culture near Tanzania. When your husband dies, God, what was it? Your husband dies, you... Yeah, you're a widow. You're a widow. Otherwise... Wouldn't you and the property be given to maybe his brother or something right, like that? Right. Unless you yourself take on a wife. Or yeah, something and like that? so you can buy another woman, like the the widow will buy another woman, and usually they're pretty cheap because these are, I like to think like women like us who are outspoken are like, no, that man's abusive, and I don't want to take him, and they're like, well, we'll give you five cows. So these women, these widows will step in and they'll be like, oh, I'll buy your your daughter for five cows, and then usually the husbands in the family are pretty happy to get rid of these women, and then they coexist. So they want to, they raise their children together, and they'll have male side lovers, and it gives the the younger woman a lot of choice because she doesn't have to like be with the guy that beats her up or anything like that. She can be with someone who's sweet and nice if that does exist and um, it also facilitates <laughs> their ability to have and raise children together yeah and they raise their children together and they without they, the men yeah there to so they'll have the main hut the and then they'll have the hetero hut i suppose and it's very female oriented they'll raise the cows together and the man, the little side man, he doesn't inherit anything. <laughs> he doesn't inherit anything. Little it side all man. stays with the widow and her wife, which is the best part of that. It's the only way that this tribe, the women, can keep their property. Mm -hmm. yeah. Isn't there also some history of women's sexual interactions in terms of midwifery or something like that? Like, for example, women helping other women getting aroused before they have to sexually perform for their husbands or oh. something like that. I think I've heard... I know. <laughs> it's, it's terrible stuff, great culture stuff, but at the same time, it like makes you think about like this idea of a woman literally taking another woman to like actually help get like the woman in this physically aroused state that the husband was so bad at it. He himself didn't do it. And it's like... Shocking. <laughs> Okay, I want to share a thought and potential thread of conversation. Um, when I was 23, I came out as a lesbian through a political process and totally rocked that for about six years. It was great. I uh, highly encourage it. But one thing that I found really difficult was that as I came out in that way and was actually dating the women I was fucking instead of just fucking them, as I did when I was straight, you know, the Same. thing that became difficult was... Because of the larger queer culture, I felt like even though I came out sexually and was super out and just like all about the ladies, loved it, I had to hide it. What? Hide my radical feminism. Oh. Mm. Yeah. And I think it can be really difficult for women who are considering becoming lesbians because if you come out, like, if you're only going to date other radical feminists, your dating pool is, like, three bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to fly across the country. <laughs> you actually just want to date, like, a normal fucking person. You kind of have to hide your politics. And yeah. And be comfortable with someone yes. and experience that. And, like, I found that that became a really difficult problem for me yes. as I was getting more and more involved in lesbian culture and the lesbian scene and in Seattle the queer scene because yeah. there's no lesbian scene mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's kind of like an interesting thing that maybe we can talk about because mm -hmm. a lot of us are here because we either have become political lesbians or consider it or whatever yeah how do you be a lesbian and stay po political you have to choose do you want to ever get laid again or do you want to have a politic <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, has anybody here been broken up with for, for being a rad femme? Yes. Raise your hand. <laughs> so many times. Because you won't say that men are women. <laughs> I would love to hear more about if women have this similar problem. 
I was actually going to bring that up right before you said it, so kudos on that. Great minds think alike. <laughs> really, it's like, how do we re-politicize lesbian uh-huh. spaces? Uh-huh. Or, I guess, how do we create lesbian spaces? Because in L.A., mm. there's not lesbian spaces. If you go to a lesbian night, it's half gay men still. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. I get it. You know, you don't have all lesbian friends, so you have to bring your gay guy friend. I do it. Whatever. I'm from Las Vegas. I was the only radical feminist in Las Vegas, and I know because I posted on Craigslist and Facebook and Meetup, and I talked to my feminist friends. And I'm wondering, you guys are older than us. How did you do it? How do you get your friends to care? They don't care. Not only do they not care, but they actively anti-care. Yeah. Like, they don't care about you not having a politics. One of the colleges I work with is not a women's college, and as a softball coach, (laughs) there tend to be a lot of lesbians that I coach, but I would say the vast majority of them are not ready to own that during their collegiate career, and I'm not going to necessarily help with your dating conundrum. (laughs) (laughs) What I would say is beware the impact you're having, the seeds that are planted, if the soil is fertile, you may have had an influence that doesn't play out. So you're going to kind of move your dates along in coming into what you all are calling a political lesbian frame of mind or worldview or whatever, however you want to say. You're going to move them along and then they're going to break up with you and someone else is going to reap those benefits. So that it helps so much with your dating conundrum it's sad for me to hear that the pool is like this that's why i say it i'm sitting here trying to make sense of the irony around how much progress has been made and yet how it's created a whole new backlash because in our era the person was political they're really right it was more a little bit putting a stake in the ground whether you were coming out of a marriage whether you were born this way you know gold star that's kind of a little bit new language you know if you stuck your neck out to date other women it was political it just was it was that contentious to just simply be lesbian or to be gay at that time i think what to do is just to know at the end of the day you got to go what do i need to do to feel whole and if what you need to do is shut down your politics and get laid, then shut down your politics and get laid. And if what you need to do is to go, you know what, my politics is that central to my self-esteem, my at peace with the world. If my politics is that central, then you're working the magic wand or something until somebody comes along. <laughs> I think, you know, places like this, there's, you know, we talk about L.A. being a bit of a wasteland for radical feminists, too, but... I mean, I think you got to really do the best you can to find each other. Finding each other is tough. That's why Mishfest was as powerful as it was. I mean, it was the grand finding each other for so many women. I think a lot of radical feminists didn't even know the radical feminists yet, right? Like, they Mm -hmm. might have that gut feeling like, Mm -hmm. I'm embarrassed to say that one of my boyfriends told me I was a radical feminist. Like, I'm spouting off whatever I'm spouting (laughs) off. And he's like, huh. You're one of those. And I'm like, one of me? I'm awesome as me. And he's like, no, you're a radical feminist. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty radical. That's awesome. I'm so fucking awesome. He's like, no, honey, you're this. And this is what you need to go look up because I think you'll be really happy here. And then I did. I'm like, oh, my God, that's me. Yay. So I think there's education that can be done, too. Maybe if they have those seats, like, I don't even know if dudes should go into women's bathrooms. But they haven't been given that voice and they haven't been given our education yet to like even know like how corrupt that system is you can break like she was saying you can bring that person along on your journey right and it doesn't have to be like i'm a radical feminist and trans blah 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 easy slow massage it a little bit just start to work it in that's what i would recommend and, for dating. And, and i just want to add too i think using the word lesbian i mean i've heard just in the last 24 hours here people who identify it's like Use the word lesbian. Yes. Use the word lesbian. Yes. When it gets conflated with queer, I don't know. From my vantage point, that's what I watch on particularly one of the campuses of where I am, that, you know, everything is queer this and queer that, and somehow lesbians get lost. Lesbians seem to fall through the cracks when it's a queer thing. So I think it's... When you go, what is a political lesbian? If you say lesbian, it's political. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. So, like, how is it so hard to find radical feminist lesbians? Do you think it would be... Well... <laughs> yeah. Does anyone else think that the pornified version 
of lesbianism interacts or affects how lesbians interact with each other or women who like women interact with each other? Do we feel that that has kind of infiltrated our psyches? Because sometimes I feel that way because that was like the first image of lesbianism that I was presented with was this super feminine women who I don't even know if I can articulate it, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't know, very pornified women, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. Here's one we haven't heard from. I'm kind of new, so maybe someone said this, but I feel like I didn't realize I was into women until I was, like, 26. The problem with political lesbians that people have is that they didn't know boys, or their sexuality wasn't directed towards women the whole time. And I feel like what you said, that's such a male idea of what sexuality is. to dating for a second I just recently updated my okay cupid profile <laughs> and I was chatting with this woman and I felt the need just by looking at her pictures to say I'm a radical feminist I'm critical of gender you know just put it out there before we were to meet for coffee because I didn't want to waste her time or my time and she never replied to me and then I changed my profile down at the very bottom it says message me if dot 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 and then you fill in the blank or whatever and I said something pretty typical like if you want to get to know me and you want me to get to know you and if you don't think that trans politics or trans ideology is okay you know so I just put it right out there and I and I feel really great about it because I mean it's so important because of everything that's happened to me as an activist that has nothing to do with my own personal sexuality at all it has everything to do about women's liberation politics it's such a huge part of my life that I can't date somebody that's not going to know about that that's just not a turn-on for me personally and so I just encourage all of you to change your profiles and then we can find each other easier you know <laughs> what do you got to say I kind of want to jump back to something you mentioned briefly about community I find often I think I'm not alone here especially I think you mentioned it that you're the only radical feminist in Vegas and you're like I put it up everywhere and I'm alone mm -hmm. um, and it's real lonely it's yeah. very isolating it's very alienating and I'm just wondering it feels like now more than ever is the time to invest in one another as a community Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes we can get lost in the politics and intensity of it all and forget about one another. I'm wanting to hear feels about that. Or anyone resonate. What do you guys say? I was just, I mean, I was just going to yeah. respond to that, but also jump back to yeah. I feel like someone saying it's hard to find lesbian radical feminists is a subset of the problem that it's hard to find radical feminists. Because yeah. when you set up an mm -hmm. event, you get death threats until it gets shut yeah. down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you talk about it publicly, yeah. you face organized campaigns to get you fired. So I don't really think that we can have the fruit of a constructive community without the root of it. We can't just skip to like, yay, dating. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I right. dismiss that. Like, that's yeah. dismiss that at all. But also, this is happening in a larger context of not only can we not date, we can't keep jobs while we're doing yeah. this. I feel like dates require money that you need to <laughs> 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 so, connected, and I feel like I almost want to just like put that in a larger context. How do we do radical feminism at all yeah. when you get shit on so hard and so yeah. quick yeah. the second you say anything about it? Women yeah. don't know they're radical feminists because they have never met any because we can't Talk, we can be in right. the world, and even the ones that think it know that they can't say anything about it. So many women have come up to me and been like, "Thanks, I could never say anything publicly." And I'm yeah. like, "Well, thanks. That's kind of a backhanded thank you, a little bit, because until we all do, then right. the few of us that are are." So I don't know. It just feels like that's a subset of the bigger thing of not being able to be a radical feminist in public at all. Yeah, I would definitely say that I more and more often have been coming out, so to say, as a radical feminist. And in Austin, it's 
been easier, but it's all kind of a neoliberal bubble. But there are some radicals there that I've been able to connect with. And the more I make my identity as a radical feminist open and available and known, the easier it is for me to connect with others mm -hmm. who are also out and known. I've kind of been making it a habit almost to start off introductions of myself to people who I know are liberals with, by the way, I'm a radical feminist. I'm just like, oh, bad some pride. It. For example, like I've actually had decent receptions. I'm surprised. Uh, I mean, of course, I take it with a grain of salt. Like I usually say it more around liberal people, people who maybe I haven't immediately off the bat openly supported trans stuff or pornography or whatever. But even some liberal people I've had have some like decent responses, even though they don't identify that way. Like I met a new girl who's a bit of a feminist, but clearly a bit of a liberal feminist. And when I introduced myself to her, I immediately made it known that I was on this spectrum of radical feminism, this end. And her first response was, I have another friend who identifies as a radical feminist. I should connect you two. And she like immediately brought me to some other, and I met three other women in Austin who are radical feminists. Nice. And I'm like, this is the best decision I've ever made, is being so open with this. and. It's helping to destigmatize and normalize this as an acceptable political position to hold, you know? Now that it's easier to be out of the closet as a, as a dyke, we need to be out of the closet as rat <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yeah. you know?